When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're never going to be great at everything. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just saying to yourself, that's okay. But you still need to go forward with that. And I think, like you said, I grew up to be an amazing problem solver. My parents really let us fend for ourselves. Some might say too much, but I can solve any problem. I'm super independent. I have this confidence that no matter what the obstacle is, I can get through it. So that definitely is helpful when you're trying a bunch of new things all the time and things like accounting, taxes, even marketing, the social media. Mm -hmm. There are so many pieces to our job when you start your own business. Welcome back. I'm Krista Laurie, and this is Bucket List Careers. Thanks for joining. This week's guest, Carrie Bowen Poole, who you just heard a little bit from, is an interesting pivot example for our lineup. She wasn't one of those who felt a void in her work and made a change. She was teaching full-time with two small children at home, loving it, had a master's degree, successful, and fully passionate about educating kids. But Carrie wanted to rethink and reimagine her teaching job, and we'll explain why in the episode knowing she had to do something that was equally meaningful to her that made an impact on kids. It was then, about 10 years ago, that she had her quote-unquote wake-up-in-the-middle-of-the-night idea. And since then, Carrie and her team have been revolutionizing the way children learn and play, designing educational playrooms all over the country and world through in-person, full-service design as well as virtual e-design options. This is a great founder's narrative. Carrie's growth mindset is extraordinary and has served her well. I know you'll learn something new in this episode. Let's get to it. Carrie, thanks for coming on the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am a fan. I love what you've created with Smart Playrooms and really wish it was around when my kids were a little younger because it's just right on target, your concept of having a playroom really as another teacher for your kids. So we're going to dig into how you came up with the concept, your transition from teaching, your big pivot. But let's start with your early professional days. Now, did you always have a focus on education? Always. I would say since I was a young girl, I was the babysitter extraordinaire. And (laughs) my dad really recognized that in me, that I was great with kids, that I love being with them and always kind of thought, you know, you're going to be a great teacher one day if that's what you decide to do. And sure enough, I went to college, just a liberal arts college. There was only one education class, which is hilarious. So I majored in something else, but I knew that was what I wanted to do. So I spent my years learning about a number of different subjects and all that. And then shortly after college, I headed into Westchester area to get my master's in teaching. Right. And so you were confident with that self-awareness early on, which I love. And I know you were teaching full time with two small kids at home, doing that balancing act. You loved it. You had your master's. You, you say you were still passionate about educating kids, but there was a point when you said you wanted to rethink your teaching job. So tell me why. Sure. 
I had two young kids at home. I was teaching full time at this point. I was really teaching from seven in the morning until five in the afternoon. And I was really missing being a mom for my own children and really having that impact on them that we know you can do as a teacher, as a mom, and just making sure that you're there for them and not missing those years. Yeah, It probably was like a year. I started to think, well, I mean, I've only been a teacher. This is what I love. It gives me meaning in my life. I'm really good at it. But could there be something else? Is there something else I could do with my educational experience and have some other job? I had no idea what that was. And I really was like six months or a year. And at this point, I was actually teaching preschool at a local preschool in Westchester and had one of those wake up in the middle of the night ideas. And it just came out Playroom Plus Educational Design. Kidding. I was like, wow, that's really interesting because at that time too, I'd been in a ton of playrooms of my friends and they were all pretty lousy. No one gave them any thought. It was just like, here's all the leftover toys and all the leftover <laughs> furniture from the city. Sounds like mine. <laughs> Yeah, like everyone, I did the same thing and no one had really spent time on it. And so I'd been in those as well. And I just thought, wait a minute, what if I take all the things I've learned in the classroom, which is about independence, accessibility, problem solving, open-ended play, the center ideas, like what if I were to design the playroom like a classroom with the same thought that I do as a teacher when you're setting up the classroom really every day for the kids to come in. Right. Teachers are busy. What's on the bulletin board? What are we working on today? Whether it's a fifth grade class or a preschool class, totally. teachers are busy preparing for each day. So I thought, well, what if I take that same type of thought and put it into the playroom, would that make a difference? Would anyone even want me to do that? So interesting that you had that actual wake up in the middle of the night moment, because of all the guests we have, I would say most don't actually have that pinpoint moment. A lot of people evolve into the decision, but but you kind of got lucky. I think that that's pretty amazing. So was it the next day when you started to switch gears? Walk us through from that point forward. Sure. So it was in the spring and I was teaching preschool at the time. And I thought, well, that's a great idea, but I'm not going to quit my job for that. So I'm going to wait and and finish that, which was really in June that year. But I did say to myself, I'm not going to go back to teaching. I had other ideas in the past too, and not even related to teaching our kids, but like, wow, that's a great idea. Maybe I should do that. And this was different. I was like, you know what? This is something that I think, Carrie, you should, my inner sort of gut told me, I think you should quit your job for this and just give it a try. And you've never tried. Go for it. How did you know it was different? Was it the reaction you were starting to get from people? Was it just a hybrid of that and your gut? How quickly did it gain momentum? What were your first steps? I think it was definitely my gut, but I also knew because this was what I was really good at. And I was also a mother. So I had experience of being a mom, experience of being a teacher. And I had my gut saying this could be something, you know, so I just kind of went with that. I didn't really tell anyone my idea other than my family. That summer, I took out my first little ad and we have a local paper here just called the Rye Record in Rye. I know it. Yes. And it's still around. And I decided, well, I'm going to spend, you know, it's probably $80 on my big ad, got some photos <laughs> together. Yeah. And you know, it was amazing. I got eight telephone calls from that one little ad. 
Immediate, I right, know. you saw an immediate response immediate. and you knew you were on to something. And I was really at that point focused on the organization. It was all about organizing the toys for accessibility and independence of kids. So it wasn't like people didn't need to spend a lot of money. They were just going to pay me hourly, just like a regular organizer, but I was only going to work in the playroom. Okay. So it wasn't a big risk for people either who didn't know me. It was like, okay, she could come for a couple hours and I'll kind of see what does it change the way my kids play. Sure. No overhead at that point. You're starting out small baby steps. So I know you now have 10 years under your belt as founder CEO. So how did it start to grow and what were some obstacles along the way? You do have a team. I don't know how many people you employ. Tell us a little bit about the first couple of years in that part of your journey. I had the premise that I was never going to put any money into the business, that if I were to work, I had to get paid. Mm. So my growth has been super slow and very organic. And I actually love that because I didn't have to take any risks financially. And I also wasn't obligated to tell anyone what I was doing or how the finances were for that year. Right. And that worked well for me because I wasn't in a place that I really wanted to take some big financial risk and not have it work out. So that was important for me. So I started off super slow. People paid me for my time. I spent a lot of time at the container store (laughs) and would just gather all the stuff, go to people's homes, work for eight. 12 hours generally for a job. And it just sort of started that way. And what happened over even the course of probably that first year, it was like, okay, I'm done. Now the toys are all organized and there's kind of put away in the closet or they have storage. It's all nicely labeled, but you know, you don't have a table or you know what, all the storage is in the closet, but that's over here. And I knew the kids weren't going to get it. So it started me just looking at the furnishings and saying, you know what, maybe you need a table and just sending links and recommending just basic retail stuff to them. So that was slow and organic too. My whole premise was really like, I'm going to change the way your kids play and you really don't need to spend much money. And people love that. Of course, that's totally appealing. Totally appealing. But it was my belief too. Yeah. My mission has always been to give back, to make sure I'm making a difference in other people's lives and to really have purpose in my life. And so it was never about making the money, really. That was never. And in fact, if I didn't feel like I was making an impact, I wouldn't have been able to continue with this job. But the fact that I felt like I was affecting kids the same way I did as a teacher, which is really changing the way kids feel about themselves, changing the way that their brains are going to get rewired, maybe they're refocused now, changing the way they can be artistic and super creative, changing the way maybe they're going to start to read and they hadn't read before. I really am like a problem solver in the playroom. And parents are like, oh my gosh, my kids are doing things they never would have done before. And that's really the core of my belief. So I had to stay with that of, am I really affecting change for these kids through the design and organization I do? And that, again, sort of kept me on my path of being purposeful and staying with that. So it was a table here, a little storage here. And then it just started to build up more than that. It was like, okay, what about, do you want to paint the walls? Do you want to do this? But it really wasn't until I started to incorporate a ton of physical play, which I am really passionate about kids moving and how good that is swinging for their brains. It really wasn't until I instilled like the kid gym idea that it really, the business really took off. Hmm. And again, the purpose for that was if anyone had kids in the school system for the last 10 years, kids were sitting down more than ever. Recess was being taken away. Kids are overscheduled, meaning they're not going outside, just exploring by themselves. 
So there was a reason why I started to incorporate physical play inside the home. It was to meet the needs that I thought these kids needed and they weren't getting in a way that some of us might have when we were growing up, which is just we spent hours outside or hours on the playground. That just wasn't happening anymore. And kids were required to really sit and memorize, even from like age three on, it was like, oh, here's your A, sit down. So right. that belief of like what kids need again made me want to do this kind of cool movement inside the playroom if the space allowed. And I started to put mats down. And then we started to say, well, God, what if we use the ceilings and the walls? Like, doesn't really take any space. And maybe I can get them to climb and hang. And then we started to put the monkey bars in. And we started to create these amazing circuits that, again, are open-ended for kids as a part of the playroom. And that's really, I would say, the pivotal moment when my business took off of just like, other people are like, oh, I really want that. Totally. Well, it wasn't just about money, but purpose and making an impact on these kids' lives. But having a pivotal moment like that and seeing your differentiator is so critical. And I know that you have A-lister celebrity types you're designing for now. And you know, I can tell you're not the type that likes to flex. No. <laughs> so you, you've told me, I think, what sets you apart in terms of the kid gym. And then, of course, the timing of the pandemic. You must have seen a lot of interest probably had some obstacles to navigate in terms of getting into people's homes, but getting kids active when the whole world came to a screeching halt was probably huge for you. Huge for me. What was interesting, always people hired me because they understood the value of how the design and what I was doing can positively affect their kids. Mm -hmm. But I would say that when parents had their kids at home, oh boy, did they really understand the impact of how a room is set up, how the home is set up. Also like the the screens and how that really affected kids' brains where they were so focused, especially in COVID. They're at school, they're sitting down, they're on their screens, then they're playing games. Mom and dad were often working. I understand that too. You give your kids technology, you know you're gonna get a half hour break of silence for the most part. But what was happening is that, right, the kids were getting less and less of what they really needed. And the moods of kids are affected by what they do. I'm a firm believer in like food and activity and whatever it is they're doing, that affects like their whole being. So parents would reach out saying, my kid is, they're so moody, they're grumpy, they're going upstairs by themselves. I can't get them off of this thing. They're not talking anymore. They're not part of the family. Like doesn't feel healthy. Yeah. Things that were changing. Like, can you please help? So it's interesting that the screen time and COVID really boosted my business again with parents really understanding and valuing like what I could bring, which is again, always from the educational realm of thinking about how we want our kids to spend their day. What do we want them to be doing and how that affects their overall being both physical and mental. Let's talk about how you did all this, and maybe this more applies to the last few years as you're getting bigger, without a business degree, which I love. I would say most people didn't study what their bucket list career pivot is all about and what industry they're now in. So tell me how you've dealt with any big roadblocks just using your innate skill set. Because you did say to me, you are a problem solver, a bit of an innovator naturally. So how did you get through some of those kinds of obstacles? I think what you realize also just with age and with experiences, you're never going to be great at everything. Mm -hmm. And part of it is just saying to yourself, that's okay, but you still need to go forward with that. And I think, like you said, 
I grew up to be an amazing problem solver. My parents really let us fend for ourselves. Some might say too much, but I can solve any problem. I'm super independent. I have this confidence that no matter what the obstacle is, I can get through it. So that definitely is helpful when you're trying a bunch of new things all the time and things like accounting, taxes, even marketing, the social media. Mm -hmm. There are so many pieces to our job when you start your own business. I also am a risk taker, but I'm a calculated risk taker. I would say that I'm willing to try new things. I'm open. Okay, let's try that. Let's do this and that. And I think having a combination of being open to trying new things, but also not taking such huge risks that might not go well. So I feel like that was just part of my upbringing. Obviously now I have an accountant. I have someone that helps me with social media. I'm still pretty much a small business. Really, it's just me. What's interesting this past year, I'm starting kind of a new business within my business, which is really virtual e-designs that I can design playrooms anywhere, whether you live in California or Texas. I've gotten so many inquiries over the years from so many different parents and families all over. And we dabbled with the e-design a little bit, but I really didn't prioritize it. And my focus this year, I always take on one goal every year. I like that. Of something that I really want to learn more about that I want to get better at. And so this year is the year of the e-designs and I've redid the website. I've redone my SEO. I've hired some people to see if I can train them to be me. (laughs) I hired Robin and Kristen who have backgrounds in education. What I've realized too over the years is that it's not design backgrounds that really make my business. It's the education piece. And over the years, again, I've hired different types of people, independent contractors. That's the piece that people really recognize that is special and different, especially in the playroom. So now, you know, again, you make mistakes and now I know that that's really what people want. And obviously the design and good aesthetics can come out of that. But at the core of it, it's still about storage and toys and where everything is and how the kids are playing and what activities you want them to do. So you are really a prime example of someone who is passionate about education. You've transferred your skills in a creative way to fill a void, which I clearly see. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a big part of your success. So we want to just end the podcast with some takeaways for people. And you've already given us some nuggets. You know, I asked myself this recently, what would I tell my younger self? Mm -hmm. Right? And that can open, you can go in so many directions with that. It doesn't necessarily mean you need to do something differently, but I think I would have been a little more forgiving and say your runway is longer than you think. And the twists and turns are not necessarily failures, but building blocks, right? That was sort of the gist of what I was thinking when I asked myself that question. What about you? What would you tell your younger self career-wise in terms of getting to that place of professional purpose? Yeah. And I think what I would tell maybe everyone is just Mm -hmm. do what you love. We hear that all the time, but it's super important when you're spending a lot of time every day on whatever it is that your job is, just do something that you love, but be open to when other opportunities come, be open to other ideas And don't just stay so focused on this little narrow piece. Mm -hmm. I was an amazing babysitter. I would have been very happy being a babysitter. It really was what I was good at. That translated to then I became a teacher. I taught in many different classrooms. And then again, started to be an organizer and then a playroom designer. And now, right, it's amazing. People will fly me to different places just to focus on their kids and their family. And I feel 
incredibly grateful for these opportunities, but I've always done what I've loved. I always felt like I was making a purpose or again, giving back in some way that was really important to me. So it's looking at yourself too and understanding what your values are and then just keep an open mind and life will take you someplace that you didn't know it was going to be. And it just might be where your pot of gold is and where your happiness is. Oh, I love that. I love your optimism too. So let's just quickly tell listeners where the best places are to find out more about Smart Playrooms. Okay, great. So we have a website. It's www.smartplayrooms.com. That's best thing. We do love our Instagram and we share a lot of different playrooms we've done or just other information, whether educational or design-wise. And that's just the handle Smart Playrooms on Instagram. During COVID, when things did come to a grinding halt, I actually started a store called Project Playroom where there people could buy some of the active things that we were using in the playrooms who were more DIY, who don't need a designer to help them. So our store is www.projectplayroom.com. And we also have an Instagram for that as well. There's a lot of options. And I think I found you on Instagram and I love your page because it's very visual and it really gives you a sense of what's out there and, and what can be done with a playroom. So everyone should check that out. Carrie Bowen Poole, thank you so much for your time. This was really great. Went too fast. That's always a sign of a good guest. <laughs> thank you so much. And let's, let's go have coffee or wine sometime. Thanks for sharing your story with us. 100%. You're on. Thanks, Carrie. Thank you so much. You know where to get more at Bucketlist Careers on all social platforms. Share an episode that helps with organic growth. Write a review for us. Those are particularly helpful. Recently, Christina Mickey wrote a simple one that stuck with me. She said, this is a good and easy listen and you usually learn something new. And I thought, isn't that what it's all about? Isn't that our why? Come away with something you learned only because you are here with me as a listener. Yay. We're back next week with a solo episode of Bucket List Careers, Krista's Takeaways, next Thursday. I hope you'll join me. And in the meantime, be well. An ironic media production. Visit us at ironickmedia.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.